For a long time now, I thought I was just a survivor, but I'm not. I'm the winner. That's who I am. The Time Lord Victorious. Welcome to the Drop One Podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Simon. I'm Jeff. And I'm Brendan. Welcome, everyone. Just as the Doctor once told Sarah that some things are better with the Daleks, worlds become allies because of their fear of the Daleks. In the same spirit, we've managed to put aside the bitter rivalry that exists between competing Doctor Who podcasts. <laughs> Come together today to discuss the Time Lord Victorious animation about the fearsome Daleks. Jeff, last time we were on the podcast, we talked about the TV21 comic. There's a lot of a lot of the DNA from that in here, I think. Oh yeah, hell of a lot, isn't there? It's um it's like seeing it what i would really like to see them do is maybe take some of those stories from the comic and do this now they've done this it just oh it's so pretty <laughs> it's just really nice seeing the golden emperor floating around even albeit slightly different but it's still that same golden emperor and they're still having the same problems that they have in the comics is that nothing yeah. ever goes <laughs> right for them <laughs> They're not the fearsome, like, galaxy-spanning empire that, that you get in some, some tellings of the Daleks, are they? they? They're confined to, the like the comics, the one city on Skaro. Um, did you guys, um, did you get the, the new compilation in Australia, Brendan? Uh, I haven't seen it physically here, no. So um, if I don't if I don't see it soon, I think I may pick up the digital version because the digital it, it is available on digital. I discovered um, when I was having a look at the latest Dwim, so that is very tempting. I've read one or two of them before and seen some of the altered visuals animations from about fifteen years ago um, and their adaptations. And yeah, it's kind of fascinating. Um, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I'll just say, watching the first episode of this, I went back and started re-listening to Big Finish's Dalek Empire. It's put me right in the mood. <laughs> I was thinking that watching it last night, I was thinking, oh, I really fancy Dalek Empire again now. Really, <laughs> really. <laughs> How about you, Simon? Are you, um, you familiar with the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I first started buying DWM, they were reprinting those strips um, back in, oh God, 1980 or whatever. Um, so, yeah, they've just been a part of my life the whole time and they seem to crop up every so often. But it's been an absolute joy rereading them in the new the new version. They just look so beautiful now and all the colours are so vibrant and pretty. It's just wonderful. It's, uh, with this animation as well, they, they they look fantastic in there, don't they? And as you say, Jeff, they're, they're having the same problems. It's it's like a ham-fisted attempt at <laughs> an invasion of another planet, <laughs> followed then by them just totally being on the back foot and and having to fight for survival again. Yeah, yeah, they're um, <laughs> they do struggle, don't they? These Daleks, bless them. <laughs> <laughs> so the first episode is the the archive of this loss. Um, I love those uh, Archivians, the robots that are left behind on that planet. I thought they're like um, like a hybrid of the the sort of Vok robots, the the heavenly host, um, and and uh, there's a bit know, of like, bit of Metropolis thrown in there as well, yeah. isn't there? Mm-hmm. It's Definitely got a very in the head deco. design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, really pretty. Yeah, I did. Um, we did we did laugh out loud when the librarian says, Would you like to apply for a membership? Yeah. <laughs> As a librarian, I'm... that is exactly how we would react to any alien invasion. It's true. <laughs> I've got that written down in my notes as well. I love that line. Yeah, yeah. and me too. I love their I also love their line, we have a very big door. <laughs> <laughs> She's a sassy robot, isn't she? Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. Um, and it starts that theme that you get through the episodes about the Daleks having no concept of beauty because the, the, the mechanoids pick up on that as well, don't they? That they, um, they have a sense of beauty. The, the Archivians uh, do as well. The Daleks just roll in and blow shit up, don't they? It's, uh, it's a <laughs> different way of looking at things. But when when the um, the mechanoid scientist is talking to the Dalek strategist, 
who is my all-time favourite Dalek ever, um, when they're talking to him, she asks him what, what Daleks consider beautiful, and they just pan down to his gun stick and it twitches. And I, th- I thought that just summed up the yeah. Daleks perfectly. He's a brilliant character, isn't he? He's in, in the Big Finish audios, um, and it's nice to get, because it's obviously Nick Briggs across the whole thing, to get the consistency of it. Um, I said in the, the last podcast we did about it, he's like a slightly less sinister Dominic Cummings. <laughs> <laughs> he's always there in the background sort of plotting away. Mm-hmm. And um, the Defender of the Daleks, uh, which I think comes immediately after this in the Time Lord Victorious timeline, there's kind of hints about him because he's got the really old casing and they talk about him being older than the Emperor. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not across all the Time Lord Victorious yet if, that, if that's been revealed whether he's like from the original Dalek story or, or something like that, but it seems like there's, there's something to be told there uh, about what his origins are. Yeah, it's definitely. Really, he's it's a really old casing, isn't it? So. Yeah, he, he is that original casing, because he hasn't even got mm-hmm. the, the vertical slats. He's, um, mm-hmm. So I'd love him to have met the first Doctor back on Scaro in that first story. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Like I was going to say, I just love how devious he is and how manipulative he is of everyone and everything around him. He's the real power behind the Daleks. Yes, and he gets he gets really three chances to stab the Emperor in the back here. And in each case, you you think he's, he might well go for it, which... Um, yeah, but it's 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 a sign of good writing. I've always respected James Goss's work, but to create five thirteen-minute episodes, each of which functions as its own sh- short story, as well as this overarching thing, as well as feeding into this miasma of other stories, <laughs> which I have not purchased, um, but making a satisfying narrative in and of itself is quite, is quite masterful. And then to, to also have really the, the strategist and the emperor and the mechanoids all have their own motivation. It's, it's really well done. I like the, the, he says something, um, the scientist mechanoid, when they're up on the, um, the platform dealing with the, uh, the planetary defence grid, um, she says to him, oh, it, it seems your emperor's forgotten about you. Uh, and he says, that's why I've survived so long. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It just lurk in the background, keep existing. Yeah, yeah. And he looks particularly good in those scenes, the lighting... He looks almost photorealistic. Um, it's, it's, it's different to the rest of it, and you keep cutting back to the Emperor, who's on the mechanoid, mechanist, I guess, the mechanoid's planet, who's cartoony again, and, and the way he's lit when he's up in space on that, that platform, um, he looks really, really good, I thought. The, this, this is a tale of two halves, isn't it, the Daleks? There are some absolutely stunning shots. There's beautiful lighting, beautiful colour work, and then you get to the explosions and the smoke, and you kind of go, right, I can, see, <laughs> I can see that this was done for free, for people to watch for free. I'll forgive it, but when you get to the really good shots, mm. it, it, it just stands heads and shoulders above the rest of the footage. It's amazing. Mm, yeah. mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, there are some beautiful design work all the way through. I mean... The mechanoid planet was absolutely stunning with all their geodesic domes and yeah. the way it rises and falls through the clouds, just beautiful. Mm. As um as an avid gamer, I had a lot of fun watching the first episode. Uh, because, of course, uh, a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook were complaining, oh, this looks like a video game. It's like, one, how dare you say that is a bad thing? But two, um I I was kind of watching it and going, one thing this has over a lot of video game cutscenes is a lot of video game cutscenes don't have people working on them who understand sort of shot composition and what have you, and they've gotten better, but a lot of video games I play, it's like, yeah, yeah, you've put the models in and you've put the camera somewhere and... Yeah, that'll do. Whereas this has a lot of thought put into its shot composition. I... 
personally, I think the reason for the stylized animation is the fire and the smoke. It's like, we know we're not going to be able to do realistic flames, so let's go do them stylized. And, well, if we're going to do those stylized, let's do the Daleks and the Mechanoids stylized as well and give everything sort of really harsh lighting and, uh, and what have you. It's been fun watching it alongside the Mandalorian as well. Um right. Because the Mandalorian has all these robots that it's giving personalities, and then you get the what is it, the caretaker robot in the second episode? Um, uh, what, gosh, what's his name? Um, the Sentinel, Sentinel of the Fifth, Fifth Galaxy. Galaxy. Yeah. That's him. You know, I was expecting Malpha or Zephon, but yeah, no, this is yeah. fine. Um, but yeah, he he's very with all this Star Wars TV I've been watching. He's very um, Clone Wars or uh, the Mandalorian kind of thing. He'd fit nicely in, wouldn't he? Uh, along with the personality of him as well. He's, mm. I really like him. <laughs> He's uh... Brilliant to give him this really grandiose title. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then for him to be this, this robot's about a third of the size of the Dalek. It's like <laughs> Wally or something, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was a very Wally design, actually. That's what we said last night. Like, yeah, yeah, this would fit in nicely with a, with a sort of kid's animated feature film he, he would fit um he's well voiced as well he's joe sugg isn't it does it yeah i didn't know who that was i know he was like in the pre-publicity but i don't actually know who he is he's he's done a lot of work on other animations i think but this is his first doctor who role whereas aisha and angeli of course angeli um in the series itself and in sarah jane adventures and aisha has been in the series and then lots of big finish but yeah joe seems to be new to the world of doctor who and yeah has made an impact in this part for doctor who fandom it's great because he seems so unthreatening and the the dalek just has absolutely no time for him um but then turns out to be the, the big threat after all isn't that scene though when the Daleks wake up and start chanting gorgeous all the yeah. series of lights just <laughs> clicking on and then the uh, orange eye ear pieces flashing yeah. with the blue eyes oh, I love that yeah that's a scale that uh, well I guess you could do now with CGI but you've never seen on TV really um, and the beautiful red Daleks as well oh. um, I thought they were stunning yeah. yeah, they're really pretty, really pretty Daleks. I want that colour scheme on screen now, yeah. please. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way they had red irises and green irises when they were possessed, just to show the difference. It was beautifully done. So simple, but it was really effective against the, the standard blue or white. It's yeah. visual shorthand, isn't it? So the, the viewer, we know exactly what that means. Uh, and it saves <laughs> them having to ream off exposition um, in, in a very condensed time period that they can't afford. So it just does the job for us. Mm. And especially with the stylized, the stylized lighting of the production means that they don't always look red. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but that light will, because it's its own light source, will always look green or red. It won't be acted on by anything else. So, yeah, there's been a lot of thought and care put into the design work of this. Um, not to not to sort of denigrate anyone, but when I heard this was going to be a free YouTube thing, I had low expectations because I'm like, okay, this is going to be a free YouTube thing. It's going to be pretty basic. And then I'm watching it going, okay, no, no, they've treated this like a proper production that could be a sort of 15-minute interstitial program on a BBC channel. And, you know, kudos to them for that. They didn't have to, they didn't have to go to the trouble they went to. We'll take anything, us Doctor Who fans. Yeah. <laughs> who, who else remembers Death Comes to Time? <laughs> Waiting for that to come on Real Player in glorious 240p. Buffering. <laughs> It's buffering. It's buffering. <laughs> Part two's how many segments? <laughs> Nine? Yeah, it's the sort of thing you thought they, they might have put on the red button um, for, in the UK sort of thing for you know for viewers that way. But um, I guess it's the way, because um, this surprised me. I talked to my colleagues at work. They said their kids don't watch TV. They only watch YouTube. So... It, it makes sense as the way to deliver it to them and, uh, and get it to them that way. Um, like the way they did the thing with, um, with Twitch uh, a couple of years ago as well, I suppose. It's, uh, it's finding the right 
medium for for the audience. So, uh, but that's it exactly. My girls only watch YouTube. They don't watch terrestrial TV anymore. That that's long gone. They watch their favourite YouTubers and they will binge watch them as well. So they'll watch maybe ten or fifteen of their episodes. Um, so, so this is this is realizing that that is now the modern market uh, and latching onto that and making the most of it. Same as they made the most of the limitations they knew they were going to have doing this. Uh, going back to what you were saying, Brendan, they, they, they've worked within what they had to work with uh, and that they've made the best of it that they possibly can. Definitely, and it, the, the writing and the performance is a, a, a really strong. Where um, you know, which is what they can really put the uh, put the to, to best effect, isn't it? Yeah, um, and and for the hardcore Doctor Who fans, like we're saying, it's the real nostalgia of the TV Twenty One uh, kind of style of it as well. Because uh, that one, it's it's it is something like the comics. It's like a the classic plan of uh, instead of leaving a Dalek to guard it, they've left this uh, <laughs> this <laughs> robot that can be uh, that can be corrupted and everything, and then blowing up the entire planet <laughs> to solve the problem. So getting rid of the, uh, the the corrupted Daleks plus most of their army and all their ships yeah. is uh, is very much in line with, um, with with some of the stories from the TV twenty one. It's after that moment they're on the back foot, aren't they? Uh, and they all, the Emperor looks to the strategist to, to actually tell him what to do next. He, yeah. I love that scene, yeah. Sorry, Simon. I was going to say, it feels like it's one of the Black Daleks plans, doesn't it? He's <laughs> <Yeah>. awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's unusual to see them that much on the back foot. When you think, um, at the point when you think, and they go, there's only two of us left. And you think, I can't, I can't be right, there's only two Daleks left in existence at this point. Um, that, was, uh, that was a bit of a, bit of a shock sort of thing. Yeah, and I remember thinking, oh, I, did, yeah, I, I didn't see the Executioner die, and I quite like the Executioner. Where's he? And I've noticed him on a lot of audio covers, so yeah. somehow I think that might be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's great crying. as well with that twirling, like three clawed um, appendage, um, and, and the way it's just constantly turning while he's uh, he's, he's uh, making his plans and wanting to just kill everything. It's his bloodlust, isn't it? I love his bloodlust. He's just he just wants everything to die. He's a proper Dalek. <laughs> in, in the audios, instead of saying exterminate, he says purge to, to, to sort of to, um, to, to differentiate him. Um, Shares, or he's got other connotations and stuff as well, just make him a bit more, uh, bit more of a threat. Yeah, yeah, he's great. So I thought we were talking about the um, the Star Wars of animations and things as well. There is a bit of a Star Wars vibe when early on, when they're kind of in their pomp and the uh, they they uh, they arrive um, on Islos and the the Emperor glides down the ramp from the ship and there's rows and rows of Daleks. It's like the the shots of all the stormtroopers, isn't it? That, uh, in Return of the Jedi, when the Emperor arrives on the Death yeah. Star, exactly that, yeah. <laughs> Although I think the lighting may have been better in the Daleks. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh no, in five years' time, is James Goss going to go back to this and put a Dewback walking behind the <laughs> Maybe just a scutter. The Emperor shot first. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I will say one one thing about the battle scenes. I find I find it kind of weird, but I think I know why they did it. They're not using the Dalek gun sound effect, and I think the only reason is it's so long that sound effect that it would just become this this wall of of sound. So instead, they're able to use the pew 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 pew, and like it didn't affect my enjoyment at all. I think I didn't notice it until the big battle scene in episode two. I'm like. Oh, I wonder why that is. They only use that on humans. Yeah, they're much more rapid fire here, aren't they, than, mm -hmm. uh, than you ever see them on TV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're terrible shots. They let <laughs> off all these shots and they miss all the time. I just love the bit where they're chasing the, the Dalek strategist in the second episode and all these shots are going off around him and none of them hit him. So, we're going. We're going back to the stormtrooper analogy, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. 
the slight thing, watching them all, because I watched them each week and then watching them all again before we recorded, the slight disconnect between the first and the second episode when the entity um, comes at them in the, in the archive, it's like, it's right there. And then the second episode starts, they've managed to get back to the ship. But it's fast enough that it's, it's sort of chasing the ship through hyperspace, isn't it? Um, you don't quite see how they, they escape the immediate threat uh, of the cliffhanger of the first part. Um, and then that's not really, don't really find out too much about the entity or who sent it or anything either, do we? Um. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm assuming that's in one of the, one of the other, one of the other texts, but I, I, uh, um, you know, I accept, I accept the fact that this is, this is the gateway drug to get you to yeah. buy the rest of the range. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it has yet. I don't know if it is just quite a nebulous sort of mysterious uh, threat or whether it is going to come back. Because uh, I don't think the mechanoids are in any of the rest of it. Although they're, they're pretty much wiped out here, aren't they? Um, mm-hmm. Which is quite nice because it's the war that is, is threatened a lot in the TV21 comics and <laughs> is averted by the, um, the, the 2K robot. Um, it's, it's finally, you finally see it here, the, the conflict actually come to fruition. Um, so that was, uh, that was quite nice to see. Yeah, it's 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 just putting that full stop on, on what we've been talking about before, isn't it? It's 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 giving us that resolution and that that much longed for. Yes, I want to see mechanoids and Daleks blowing each other up. I want it. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> but he says says a lot for their enduring popularity, doesn't it? The mechanoids, that <laughs> something that appeared in two episodes of a, of a story in 1960s and a couple of comic appearances, here now in 2020 is still making an appearance and is still shown as a viable threat for the Daleks. I love it. Absolutely, I really liked how all the troops, uh, troop mechanoids, were characterised like the 60s ones who just said stop. Um, and um, zero input and fire, and then you've got the really devious, manipulative um, leaders who can properly talk, like the ones in the comics. I just thought that that's a brilliant extrapolation of what we what we've seen. Yeah, I think um, uh, I was describing it to some friends who hadn't seen it yet, and the words Anjali Mahindra as the Queen Mechanoid just tripped off the tongue and sounded so wonderful. <laughs> and I was thinking about it, it's like, well, Daleks are sort of inherently masculine. They've always been voiced by men. We have never seen any female Daleks. When we've seen Khaleds, we haven't seen female Khaleds. In Genesis, they're all male in the Khaled dome, you know? So... You know, when they're writing this, they're like, how can we distinguish the mechanoids? And it's probably, well, rule number one, give the two main ones female voices. And Anjali and um, Aisha Antoine just do just do a really great job of still still making them mechanical and alien, but having these lilting voices that talk about how they're robots who appreciate a notion of beauty and it gives me a sort of Paradise Towers vibe as the reason that the humans were never allowed to settle on Mechanus is the robots are like, no, you're just going to mess it up. Go away. (laughs) Into enter zero stop, damn it. (laughs) I think you're right and I think the the vocal effect of the mechanoid, which I've always liked, it's kind of a more fluttering version of the Dalek sound, voice sound, Mm. it it suits a feminine voice. It, it suits that lighter tone, um, and it just adds adds another level to the mechanoids that we've never really. Had. Uh, now, are these mechanoids or mechanoids? These are mechanoids, aren't they? These are mechanoids. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's two sects. Hmm. Ah. <laughs> In some kind of schism that's uh, <laughs> separated them off. They they are they are very slightly a different design and they don't have the sort of opening and closing arms. I am miming the arms, dear listener, <laughs> which is very useful on a podcast. I just realised. Um, but yeah, actually, yeah, that could be the next thing. Um, that could be next year's animation, War of the Mechanoids. Wow, with Miriam Margulies. <laughs> 
Um, so Jeff, you might, mm-hmm. Jeff, you might know. Was there a red mechanoid in the TV21 comic strips? Because I, I was, was wondering... There is, isn't there? Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. leader, I think. Yeah, because I wondered if that was a deliberate nod to the, to the strip as well. I think it probably is. After, yeah, I think they've obviously lent heavily on yeah. that strip as, a, as, a, as at least a starting point for where they've gone with Daleks. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that was a very deliberate design choice, is that primary colour uh, for the leader, leader mechanoids. Mm. And it just works so well as well. I'm thinking about customising my mechanoid in the living room. <laughs> What's great in those scenes is the arrogance of the Daleks as well, isn't it? Because the, the mechos have clearly got a better city. Um, it looks way more advanced. They've got that defence grid around it. Um, there's tons more mechanoids at this point. The, the, the Daleks are down to two of them. Um, but they're still the Emperor's still rolling around the place. Uh, talking about how the Daleks are superior and uh, like, oh, you don't tell me what to do and everything. It's, uh, it's, there's some, some great stuff in there. Oh, there's a brilliant scene, isn't there, between the strategist and the um, mechanoid scientist where um, the strategist is saying, but on Scaro, we've got one that's far more powerful than this. Yeah. And then the, the mechanoid scientist just turns around and says, we are not on Scaro. I think that speaks volumes about James Goss's writing, though, doesn't it? it? Again, going back to how he's structured and crafted this, he's given, he's stayed true to to certainly the dialects that we've come to know through things like Big Finish or the, the TV Twenty One comic. Uh, he he's kept true to that characterization of them that they've just got no self awareness whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, whereas the mechanoids see maybe a little bit further, they see more of the bigger picture. Yeah, so I mean, hopefully we'll see more <coughs> of these. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I guess you could probably see downloads or whatever or, or viewing figures on YouTube. But um, hopefully, it's been popular enough that you know, even, even untethered from the Time Lord Victorious kind of stuff, that we just see more adventures. Or like you say, for them to animate some of the stories from the TV Twenty One comics, if we get to see Zeg. Um, and, uh, and, and all that type of stuff. That would be brilliant. I'd love that. <laughs> I can imagine Nick Briggs uh, just having fun voicing Zeg. In terms of viewing figures, I'm just having a quick look now. Uh, episode 1 has 171,000 viewers. Wow. And Episode 5, which has only been up for two days, has 56,000. So they're, they're keeping on track to have kept a lot of their viewership. Then that's um, that's good to know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Those those to me are good figures. For you know, for a YouTube exclusive, it's kind you know it's only being advertised by social media really, and yeah. you know Doctor Who magazine. So kind of spreading by word of mouth and probably recommended videos. Yeah, I'd look. I'd love them to do a a five part animation every year and even if they just decided to adapt the Century 21 comics there are years of stories in there oh yeah and they, they it would only take a matter of time before because we only see a few humanoids at the beginning of the first episode and they're dispatched mm. pretty quickly um, mm. but I don't think it would take them long to, to work out some character models some some humanish character models for for, for doing that um, maybe some uh, original Daleks we'll get Yarbelling yeah. back <laughs> <laughs> That's a great moment for the for the execution, isn't it? In that first episode, when you've got those space-suited humans on the the defense platforms, uh, and the, you, he fires his shot, and it follows the the beam across space until it hits the guy. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that, that's a great moment for the execution. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that when you said that before, Brendan. That the, the executioner disappears, or you lose track of him. But again, that's that's quite good storytelling, isn't it? That you don't notice that, and it's only when you think about it afterwards you think. Oh yeah, some of these main Dalek characters haven't we haven't seen them for a while. 
for the big ambush at the end. Yeah, and that's the thing. With the big ambush at the end, I, I immediately thought, oh, okay, well, yeah, the execution has been off arranging this. Fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I because I'd never thought, oh, that's a plot hole. I just thought to myself, oh, okay, I wonder if this is going to be paid off later. Mm. And, yep, it was good enough for me. I'm very easily pleased. I'm the guy who likes time in the Rani. You know. yeah. <laughs> and this this is all at the beginning of because they they published the Time Lord Victoria sort of timeline, and this is right at the beginning of it, isn't it? This is uh, before the big finish Dalek stories with the with the Eighth Doctor and everything else. So this is sort of their first encounter with any of the Time Lord Victoria stuff. And it puts again. It, it leaves them in a position where you could feasibly accept that they are going to seek the help of someone like the Doctor, who up until now has been another mortal enemy. They've already done it with the Mechanoids. Why not do it with the Doctor too? It, it, so mm. it makes sense. It fits. It fits yeah. nicely into that little empty hole of the jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, because they're not this big empire in this, are they? They're um, they're kind of uh, boxing above the weight a bit, aren't they? They've just <laughs> they're just a few Daleks in one city uh, with a few ships, uh, which I think I prefer generally. Um, it's uh, it's it's a cooler idea that that they um, that they are dangerous and bloodthirsty and everything else. But they're... I think the problem with Daleks is is if you have too many of them, it kind of diminishes them. Um, what you need is something like. Um, resolution, where we suddenly see one Dalek is enough to cause untold damage. When you have m- smaller numbers, it, their their destructive sway that they cut through the galaxy is far more impressive than if they've got millions and millions of them swarming around. It it just works for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it was yeah obvious that the TV series was always going to show thousands of Daleks on screen at once because they've never been able to do that before. But I think we kind of lose something by not having a small Dalek task force against the Doctor or or like here, just a smaller force and show their devious side a bit more. Because I think the Daleks are quite, in the TV show particularly, are just too powerful and because they want to show that the Doctor's powerful. But actually, in the old series, they were always... A bit crap, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Is they, this because we've were, all watched yeah. um, Day of the Daleks far too many times? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but yeah, if you look at how Big Finish handle the Daleks, it's almost always a small force and their scheming and their plotting and what have you. And if you look at like the really good ones, Jubilee, of course, which got adapted. Um, Time of the Daleks, uh, the Elite, they um, that that uh, that Lost Stories one, um, yeah, it's it's all about the psychology, and much like the new series or indeed this, which does have hundreds of thousands of Daleks, you can do hundreds of thousands of Daleks on audio, and in the early days, Big Finish sort of did with the Dalek Empire stuff, but after that, they kind of went, well, okay, we've done that now. Now we've got to give people something a bit more to listen to. And I suppose it's because they don't have the visual spectacle of all the Daleks flying out of the Genesis arc or 27 planets in the sky. So, yeah, and again, for something like this, even though you can have a wall of Daleks animated and shooting at a wall of other Daleks, that, you know, that holds the attention for about 30 seconds, but then you're wondering, what's the Dalek strategist doing? And he really is the standout character for this because you kind of want the Emperor to get it because the Emperor is so arrogant and so um, oblivious in a way, whereas the Dalek strategist is ready to go, okay, yep, we've lost this planet. Um, Blow it up, blow it up. Yep, blow it up. Coffee, coffee, coffee. But that's the thing I like about the Dalek strategist is he actually does his job. He's continuously mm. processing and assessing new strategies based on the ever-changing situation that they're in. Whereas the Golden Emperor's standing outside shooting at the sky and getting battered. Yeah. Is... 
Yeah, that... Trump Dalek. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a fun bit, because just as I'm thinking, oh, the Emperor's being a bit stupid here, you've basically got the scientist mechanoid saying, your Emperor is being a bit stupid, really. (laughs) (laughs) He's not doing very well. (laughs) Yeah, and, and... Hopefully all these characters survive Time Lord Victorious and, and go on to have more of a life because definitely, like you say, the strategist is, is my favourite Dalek as well. Um, and it's it's those individual ones that do stick in your mind, isn't it? That's why Davros is so popular. And then, um, you know, from like Journey's End, Dalek Khan's the one, isn't it, with the busted yes. open casing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, any, it's the ones that have got that little bit of personality that, that are going to stick with you and, uh, yeah... We want to see more adventures for this for this team, uh, and see more of the Dalek scientist as well. Um, he's uh, I don't know if it's deliberate. I think there's a slight sort of pertwee in his voice. This is this one the, the sort of big finish, uh, big finish audios. But he's the one that you've maybe other than the most recent one, mutually assured destruction. He's got a bit more to do in that one. Um, but yeah, there's loads more to explore with um, with this this crew. I think. Yeah, they're, they're a nice little squad, aren't they? Because they're characters. They're not just drone Daleks mm. banging on exterminate, exterminate. Yeah. The, these are these are thinking, duplicitous characters that will try to um, gain an upper hand by any means. Um, be that extermination, be that talking. Um, that was the thing my wife didn't really like about it, watching it last night, because she was like, well, there's too much character. They're just not Dalek-y enough. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> you need to listen to more Big Finish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, see, my husband loves robots in any medium, so he was really enjoying that, and he commented at the end of episode one, it's like, oh, they, they've given them characters. That you need to give them characters if there's no people around. Was, yeah. was his thought on that? Yeah, exactly that. That's why we got Davros because mm. walls of Daleks talking at you after a little while gets a bit dull. I watched the um, the first Cushing movie. I picked them up on DVD a little while ago, and I watched the first Cushing movie, and I love it visually. Um, but, but just the dialects talking, I started to, to just sort of drop out and zone out mm. because mm. there's none of that skill that Nick Briggs brings in defining each Dalek as an individual, as, as its own entity. Um, so, yeah, I, I much prefer this take on the Daleks, I think. Mm, I agree. I like the bit when they're on uh, Mechanus and the two Daleks are outside guarding the ship. Because um, I think the, the mechanoid scientist even says they're like children, aren't they? They just they wait <laughs> they've waited there so long, and then they get bored, and then they just like start. They just want to fight, and they're like, "Where's the emperor?" <laughs> and they're like, "Just wait there, everything's fine." Like, "No, where's the emperor?" Start, and just start kicking off and uh, and get blown up. Yeah, so it's like the the drones are still there, but they they're nowhere near as clever, like you say, as the um, as the strategist or the emperor. They're just these kind of like. Bobber boys sort of thing like just (laughs) 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 just looking to kick off all the time I love their colour scheme they're the silver version of the bronze Daleks are just gorgeous yeah Yeah. really really they look so good it does make me wish that the show (laughs) had played with that bronze colour scheme a little bit more than they have Mm -hmm. done Um, I I think I, I mean I think we're probably all in agreement that the the initial Dalek redesign that we got in Eccleston's first season was probably the best redesign we're ever going to get of the Daleks because it stayed true to the original form that that was made popular in the classic era. But I like a variety of colours in my Daleks. I didn't didn't hate the the Power Ranger Dalek colour scheme... (laughs) <laughs> I, I just wasn't keen on the design so much. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, just seeing bronze Daleks after a while, it's like, oh, come on, give us a bit of red, give us a bit of blue, give us some colour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, if nothing else, fans love making lists. Let us make a list of our favourite Dalek <laughs> colour schemes, please. <laughs> you know, which, for the record, for me, is the death to the Daleks, silver and black. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
And oh. yeah, ima- imagine the new series Daleks with that. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, that'll be really nice. <laughs> I'd have that. I'd have that. You can't see the smile on Jeff's face thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but silver and black, it just works, doesn't it? And, and when they when those Daleks come out of that ship in Death to the Daleks, uh, you just go, ooh, ooh, they've been cleaned up. Yeah. Because that's what it feels like. It's not that sort of gunmetal Genesis look that comes later. It's, yeah. No, I'm with you there, Brendan. <laughs> just stuff to differentiate them as well and, and, and you like the idea of uh, I like the idea of different ranks and, and, and different positions and things which is more the, well the line they went down with the new paradigm isn't it that actually because you had the Dalek strategist that was one of the pillars was it I yeah I think it, he was he was the blue one yeah so I suppose it picks up on that that it kind of was a bit of a dead end in the end I suppose it picks up on that idea that there's a strategist there's a Executioner, there's, there's, there's different different roles within them, and they have a different look for that. It's a great idea for kids to get into as well, isn't it? To uh, you know, sort of because uh, uh, it was. I think. Do you share Jeff the the thing from the annual? Is the you've got that the um, the diff- all the different dialects from from yes. this, haven't you? Like the sort of visual dictionary type thing of, uh, of what they each look like. Yeah, yeah, it's um, that's a handy little guide as well. I, I mean. The thing with animation is, is because of the changing lighting, sometimes you can't pick out exactly which Dalek is which. So with things like the strategists, with things like the Emperor, where they've got their own unique design, or, or they, they're they markedly different, that's handy. But for the other ones, um, it, it's a handy little guide. Um, they're beautiful Dalek models, though, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I'm very tempted by the Eagle Moss Emperor. Very tempted. So I think it's only a matter of time. In fact, <laughs> the more the more of this I've watched, the more of the uh, the, the comics and stuff as well. Because so. it, it it was Dave Ladkin, wasn't it, who who designed all of these for this series? I think uh, I follow him on Twitter. Um, they're so pretty. They really are pretty because he he's not done a, a total redesign. He's just enhanced elements of that bronze Dalek look mm. and then stuck a classic Dalek in there looking like he literally is a prop from that first episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even having rust on his case as well, it's, it's, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, I love the scratches that they put in his dome and his cracked eyepiece. Yeah. Yeah, I need a custom of him or I need... Uh, character options to release uh, uh, a figure set as well because I don't get the Eagle Moss um, I haven't got space for them and character options so <laughs> I go for the character options figures instead so I just really want one of those now or to find someone who can do decent customizations because I can't <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm I'm with Jeff on this one In yeah when when the Eagle Moss set started coming out I, I had to make a choice between the Eagle Moss set or Doctor Who The Complete History and so I went with Doctor Who The Complete History because I do not have room for <laughs> all those figurines <laughs> as well but yeah this is a situation where I am I am tempted and the only time I've been tempted before is with the Wirren um, but I didn't give in then and I'm, ho- I'm going to hold out for I'm going to hold out for character options now and the thing is with character options and, and this may be me being slightly cynical but with them interacting so much with the 8th and 10th Doctors of whom we already have figures and of whom the 10th Doctor figures fly off the shelves. I don't think it's out of the question that uh, the B&M Doctor Dalek sets next year may have. I, I, I'm not sure we'd get an emperor, but I think we might get the strategist and the executioner. Yeah, because exactly. they're very they, easy because they've got the moulds for them, haven't they? Sorry, Simon. Mm. Yeah, they just need to, to repaint them and batter them up a bit, really. And yeah. that's not too difficult to do. Mm. And ca- as we said, character options have embraced the big finish Daleks, so there is no reason why these boys couldn't come out too. And we get regular waves of these B&M ones now as well. It's only it's every sort of two or three months, it seems like, doesn't it, that we're getting, uh, that we're getting new sets. Much mm. to my wife's despair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like I would like to say publicly that uh, 
Mark has been one of my suppliers for <laughs> for these recent and, waves. So thank you very yes, much, Mark, and, and, and Simon as, as well. well, and Simon as well. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark yeah. managed to wangle me a um, an Imperial Dalek an Ace figure set because I didn't have an Ace. Uh, I was desperate, so he yeah. managed to go on a foraging mission for us. So thank you, Mark. All right. <laughs> yeah, and same for us as well. So very pleased. <laughs> My pleasure, yeah. So if, if anybody in the area has seen me, I'm not a scalper. <laughs> <laughs> when I come out with arms full of these, I, um, I am just helping fellow fans. It's, uh, <laughs> I was worried I was going to get chased, uh, chased across the car park or something. <laughs> Stop! Dr. Who thief! Yeah. <laughs> uh, Why did yeah, I imagine seems... Dan Starkey saying that? Yeah. <laughs> Stop, girl! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it seems to disproportionately they've been distributed to the the north for some reason, don't they? This the, this time around. So. I didn't I didn't see any of the last wave in in my local. I've got two local to me. Uh, I didn't see any of them because I wanted this second set of Sarah and Romanas um, just for a bit of variety. But no, didn't have them. Mm. So I was a bit mm. gutted about that. Never mind. I'll take a look next time we're in for you. I think they're being <laughs> reduced in some stores. Uh, so some of them are selling them for twelve ninety nine now, which is oh, wow. a much better prospect. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, but yeah, no. I to go back to what you're saying. Yeah, I made the same choice. I went for the the complete histories um, instead <laughs> of the the, the the only ones that have tempted me have been the the consoles, um, mm-hmm. which I've got a couple of those because uh, they're they're beautiful. Um, and uh, then even just without the figures, they they just they just look gorgeous on the shelf. So I have I have relented. Uh, on those. Well, people used to collect saddle stones, didn't they? That looked like little concrete mushrooms. Um, and I suppose the, the TARDIS consoles are pretty similar, aren't they? It's just, it's yeah. just having a load of technological <laughs> mushrooms on your shelves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like the fact that we got to see that Dalek city from uh, which is familiar. Uh, magician's mm. apprentice it's i love that design i prefer the original dalek city from the daleks but this one looks so good and it, it's just been realized so well and there's a lovely shot where the emperor and the strategist are up on the hillside overlooking the vista and that just yeah that's that's like a scarrow fans Happy that's place, where, isn't it? Yeah, that's where the um, <laughs> Emperor just proclaims the Daleks are back on Scarrow, isn't it? <clears throat> and, and what, I, what I loved in the Dalek City was their monorail with the Dalek <laughs> Emperor and the strategist just zooming down these... Looked like they were sort of on tracks, just zooming down the city. That was brilliant. Yeah, when we saw like the overhead shot, I noticed those tracks. I'm like, oh, I wonder why they're in pairs. It's like, oh, so the Emperor doesn't have to travel with anyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everyone else travels on a separate track to the Emperor. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you stay over there. <laughs> oh, yeah, Mark, you posed the question how we should uh, exclaim oh, yes. <laughs> the title of oh. this. <laughs> uh, and it has to be in the Nick Briggs Emperor voice, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, that's the only way you can say this properly. Daleks. <laughs> it's yeah. It's got to be resonant. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I I was thinking John Pertwee at the end of part one of Planet yeah. of the Daleks. Daleks. <laughs> you could also go for the Sophie Aldred option, of course, of Daleks. Yeah. Daleks. <laughs> Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this, this is what we're talking about. The the fact that the title's got an exclamation mark in it. I think it behoves us to exclaim it. Um, because I think with Kablam, you hear too many people just saying Kablam and not saying Kablam, which is uh, <laughs> the correct pronunciation. Yeah, I think a lot more people would enjoy Kill the Moon if it came with an exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. That's the big problem with that one. Did Let's Kill Hitler? No, Let's Kill Hitler no. didn't even have an exclamation no. mark, did it? God. They're letting, them, letting, them, letting themselves mm. down there, aren't they, really? <laughs> I actually remember watching Let's Kill Hitler at your place, Simon, and we just sort of looked at each other afterwards and, what? What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we did, didn't we? (laughs) Actually, I think that that was the night we recorded our unreleasable 
Arc of Infinity commentary oh, where yeah. I'd had a bit too much wine and got a bit too angry about sofas. <laughs> it's all safely stored. <laughs> well, thank you very much, guys. This has been brilliant. Great to discuss this series with you. Uh, so, Jeff, we can we can also hear you on another podcast. Yeah, I. Uh um, doing Gallifrey's Most Wanted, the Runcible Report with uh, Ross from Gallifrey's Most Wanted, um, and I sometimes crop up on Gallifrey's Most Wanted as well, just in their regular episodes. Brilliant! I heartily recommend that. Uh, and Brendan, you're on flight through entirety. That's right, and uh, we are just reaching the end of David Tennant's uh, tenure. Yes. Um, So some of the other boys recorded uh, End of Time Part 1 and 2 today, which I think are going to go out Christmas and New Year. So our most recent episode of The Waters of Mars, uh, which I am on, along with um, regular uh, contributors to this podcast, Conrad and Pete are there as well. So that's our latest episode. And we've uh, over on Bondfinger, we've just released our commentary on the 1998 Avengers film, um, oh. <laughs> where, uh, where suffice, suffice to say, about 10 minutes in, Richard tells me something about the scriptwriter that makes me drop about 20 F-bombs in one <laughs> sentence. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can enjoy that. And also on YouTube, I am Brandy Bongos, so you can find me there. Fantastic. Yeah, I love the What Was Mars episode. Um, I can't wait for the, for the end of time. So oh. I'll definitely be listening to, Thank the, you. Uh, to, the, to the Bond mm-hmm. finger one. Sounds fantastic. And Simon, you're. <laughs> I'm so sorry. sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing regular reviews at the moment for uh, We Are Cults, so you can find the, um, them on their website. And you can find me on Twitter as at Cy underscore Hart. Oh, yeah, we should get your, your Twitter handles as well, uh, Jeff. Yeah, I'm at the City of Jeff. And Brendan. And I'm at Brandy Bongos. I will put links to all of these in the show notes as well. Thank you very much, everyone, and thank you very much for listening at home. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.